right, I'm Melinda Cassera, your fantasy author, and I'm back to read chapter 16 from Cursebreaker Enchanted. There's some other things going on, so I'll make a video about that. I'm not going to discuss them here. I'm going to keep this focused on Cursebreaker Enchanted. Chapter 16. What the hell does he want? Ranisbara pointed eastwards. Nolo looked where she'd indicated, but stopped when he caught sight of Grigori heading their way. What are you doing here? Nolo asked the man who just strode within earshot. What do you think? I came to see if my little experiment worked. By the looks of things, it did. Grigori turned smug eyes eastward and crossed his arms over his chest. The man looked unrepentant and unpunished. What penalty had the commander imposed? What experiment? What did you do to him? Nolo grasped his friend by his tunic and shook him, but Grigori swayed, exhausted from all his scheming. You look awful. Nolo steadied his friend. Later, he could square things between them. Nothing else mattered now, except getting Sarn back, safe and sound. Good, he deserves it, Ranispara muttered. It's been a busy day, Grigori shrugged and put some distance between himself and everyone else. Maybe he thought his fellow rangers intended to engage in more fisticuffs. The thought had crossed Dolo's mind, but he put it away. Another fracas would do no one any good, least of all Sarn. They turned their attention back to the line of trees beyond the twin stone circles. A tense smile enfolded them as the forest divided. Trees stood like two armies facing each other across a narrow battlefield. Nolo jogged toward it, followed by Ranisbara and Grigori. Enchanted monoliths framed an honest-to-god pathway, creating a straight shot through the forest for an uncountable number of miles. Grigori laughed so hard he leaned against a menhir to stay on his feet. Oh, you brilliant boy! I knew you had it in you! What the hell are you talking about? Speak sense, man! Nolo turned to face his friend, fist raised. Grigori shook his head, unable or unwilling to get a grip on his mirth. A rhythmic pounding interrupted further attempts to get the man talking. All eyes returned to the forest as it erupted into a sea of grappling branches. What happened? Grigori retreated, his eyes wide and horrified. Stay back! Nolo threw out an arm and shoved Ranispire behind him. Two refulgent green ribbons shot through that sylvan chaos, clearing a path through the violence. But as Nolo watched, those ribbons sparked and frayed as they tore apart. The pathway narrowed as the fighting trees gave ground. Before it disappeared completely, Sarn slid through the gap. Nolo caught the kid as he collapsed and dragged him across the circle of menhares. A black branch coated in tar slammed into the cordon the stones maintained. For a moment, the air between the menhares fluoresced a soft white, then faded as the branch shattered in a shower of black sparks. Not one passed within the circle. Nolo remembered his charge and shook the kid. Sarn, talk to me. But Sarn stared off and his emerald eyes blazed, shining a green light on them. Let go of me. Sarn struggled against the arms holding him up. Can you stand on your own? Sarn nodded, and the arms holding him fell away, freeing him. The magic cast everything into shades of green, but a few slow blinks banked the fire in his eyes, allowing other colors to filter back in. Grigori opened his mouth to say something asinine, but Sarn cold-cocked a ranger before he had a chance. Grigori dropped to the ground, but the thud of his body hitting the earth left Sarn empty, spent, and now sporting sore knuckles. His magic had elected not to soften the blow. He shook his smarting left fist as he stepped over Grigori's prone form. Nolo stepped in front of Sarn, forcing him to halt. You let me go. You owe me. Sarn rubbed his sore hand. Nolo looked him over, but before that's marksman could speak, Sarn shook his head. He chopped both hands through the air in negation. I won't go to the... Sarn broke off. 
Cursing will piss off my masters, and I still need an official dismissal. Damn my indenture and its stipulations. Sarn took a breath and tried again. I don't need to go to the infirmary. I just need to rest. He rubbed his eyes with the heels of his hands to stop their burning. Let me go, please? Sarn let his hands fall back to his sides and checked to see if his plea had any effect. He started when he noticed the struggle between the men hairs. Did the corruption reach Mount Eredrin? Is it in my cave? Sarn poked his sixth sense, but it ignored his question. Maybe his magic was tired. It can't pass. We're safe from whatever is happening out there. Here, I brought you something to eat. And Ari gestured to a basket slung over her arm. She stood inside the second ring of standing stones on the meadow side. Sarn wanted Inari to be right, but his gut disagreed. He'd seen too much. You'd better eat something. You don't look so good, Ranisbar said as she stepped over her husband's prone form. She gave Sarn a dip of the chin, acknowledging something. Maybe she respects the way I handled Grigori. Hunger assailed Sarn, forcing him to table that for later. His boots slid off his shoulder and thudded on the ground. Sarn ignored them and staggered toward Inari and her basket of goodies. What culinary masterpiece lay under that checked fabric? Lead filled his legs. But when he crossed that last threshold, he met no resistance. Nothing hindered Sarn except his exhausted muscles and this curious lightness. Am I floating? Can I fly back to my son? A quick downward glance confirmed both his numb feet touched the ground. Sarn swayed. Did Inari retreat or did the world recede? The ground rose to meet Sarn, cushioning his fall. He lay there, unable to move as three voices blurred together. They tossed around the dreaded I-word, the infirmary. I'm not hurt, Sarn tried to say as everything faded to black. I'm sorry, son. I tried. Nolo rushed forward too late to catch the toppling youth. Sarn lay on his belly and mumbled something about killer trees and mud men. His body tensed and shook as a seizure claimed him. Everything stopped, and the sudden silence drew all their gazes to the forest. Not a single branch moved. All the trees' attention focused on the kid thrashing at Nolo's feet. Stay back! Nolo threw out both arms to hold back Ranispar and Inari. Give him room. It won't last long. How long? Inari asked. How long has he suffered like this? Nolo met her concerned eyes, but said nothing. He must concentrate to gauge the length and severity of the seizure. Come on, kid. Snap out of it. You've survived worse. How long has this been going on? Inari's question cut across the pep top, looping in Nolo's head. Since Hadrival, Ranispara answered, taking the burden of explanation on her slender shoulders. We don't know if it happened before that monster got a hold of him. I thought there wasn't any brain damage. Inari's dark eyes shot back and forth between her husband and her friends, seeking confirmation. Ranisbara shook her head and looked away, but not before Nolo saw the same regret in her eyes. The kid's been knocked around a lot. The incident, Nolo stopped. Talking about that incident raised those memories in all their gory details. He swallowed regret and it burned all the way down. Why did I ignore the kid? Because then Sarn was someone else's problem. Sarn had run away four times before Nolo had even thought to investigate. And Hadrival had played the part of a shocked guardian too well. No suspicion had fallen on the beast until it was too late. Repeated head trauma, Ranispara volunteered, answering Inari's question. Perhaps she still saw a bandaged suede sarn clinging to life on that spare cot in the medic's flat. No matter how many times he'd apologized, the kid still expected Nolo to hand him over to his abuser, a man long since executed for his crimes. A movement drew Nolo's eye to his wife and he blinked at her as he returned to the conversation at hand. The incident was five years ago. Are you telling me you've done nothing to help him? Inari's spine firmed and her dark eyes hardened. A sure sign of trouble. There stood the huntress who captured his heart more than a decade past. A heart now divided by conflicting loyalties. Every day drove that wedge deeper into the gap, widening it. Ranispar nudged Nola with her hip. You better answer her. 
The seizure ebbed and Sarn stilled. Nolo knelt and rolled the kid onto his back so he could check for signs of life. Inari sat on Sarn's other side. Answer me! Isn't there something you can do to prevent this? Yes, there is, and we're doing it, Jurlo said. No one had heard his approach. The instant he'd spoken, they'd all flinched. How's the kid? Is he still breathing? Jurlo nodded to Sarn. The commander stood behind Inari with his ink-stained hands clasped in front of him. Yes, and I can guess who caused the seizure. Nolo transferred his gaze to Grigori. He glared murder at his semi-conscious friend. Stress definitely, Inari said, holding up one finger. She nudged her husband's side with her boot. Did you leave him with any food or water? What? No. I taught the kid how to forage for himself, so I left him to it. There's plenty to eat in there if you know where to look, and he does. Grigori rubbed his head and sounded less groggy than expected. The kid's got a mean left hook. You deserve it, Ranispara said. Nolo nodded to Ranispara in complete agreement with her. Magic might have also caused the seizure, and that would explain the light he'd seen corralling those trees, but not their striving. What the hell had gone on out there? So let's review. We have stress, no food or water except what the kid could rustle up if he bothered, and he ran an untold number of miles with no sleep through a bunch of warring trees. Did I miss anything? Ranispara shot her husband a glare, and it dented his ego. You're making it sound worse than it was. Grigori picked at a grass stem. Am I? I'm laying out the facts as I see them. You should have thought this through. Ranispara shrugged. Enough. This isn't helping, and someone had better explain that warring trees comment. Jerlo shot Nolo a look which ordered an explanation, but all Nolo could do was shrug. Sarn would have to explain that when he woke up. Shouldn't he have come around by now? Inari hovered over Sarn, almost touching him, but she let her hands drop into her lap instead. No, he usually stays unconscious for a while following one of these episodes. Nolo rose and swung the kid over his shoulder in a fireman's carry. We're drawing too much attention. Inari's dark eyes questioned his actions. Can you carry him like that without harming him? It never has before. Nolo shrugged. Ranispara left off interrogating her husband and moved to stand by Inari. She squeezed her friend's shoulder. Where are you taking him? Jurlo fell into step with Nolo. Where do you think? The infirmary. He forbade that, or did you forget, Randaspara said. Before Nolo could reply, the weight left his shoulders as Grigori took the kid from him. It's the least I can do, the man muttered. Grigori carried Sarn like a lost and broken child, draped across both arms. He won't stay in the infirmary. Jerlo shook his head. He'll bolt the second he wakes. Where else can we stash him so he's out of sight? Who can we trust with the secret of his existence? Nolo waited for an answer. When it came, it surprised him, but he couldn't find any fault with it. Sarn woke to dragons. They stretched their wings on one panel and torched a turret on a wall hanging. And still another, a dragon rose out of a lake, trailing watery wings. On a nearby bookcase, dragon sculptures pranced, lazed, and stood claws out, ready to rend. Paintings, murals, and tapestries competed for space on the walls. Statues fought with furniture for floor space. Every single one of them captured dragons in full color and splendor. Sarn levered himself up from the divan. Dragons cavorted on the carpeting and upholstered the chairs. Only one person loved dragons that much. Jerlo. Great. I'm in the commander's lair at his mercy. Sarn buried his face in his hands. I have no luck. A door opened, and Jerlo made deliberate noises as he approached. Some rangers claimed thoughts of the commander summoned him. Other rumors claimed the commander employed a legion of spies who had secret methods of signaling him. However, neither was the case here. The commander must have heard 
the Divin Creek when Sarn had shifted his weight on it. Likely the lacquer door Jurlo had entered led to his office. The clink of glassware tempted Sarn to lower his hands. Thirst burned in his throat. A glass of water ringed the head of a dragon battling a tentacular creature on a nearby table. To avoid talking, Sarn guzzled the water and it soothed his dry throat. Now tell me everything you've done since the last time I saw you. Jurlo took the wingback chair across from Sarn. It also bore dragons picked out in gold and orange. Jurlo's collection of dragon-themed stuff just managed not to clash with itself. Arranging items with complementary colors near each other had helped. Where should he start? Would the commander believe any of it? I wouldn't, and I lived it. Sarn set the glass down. He wanted more water, but he refused to ask for it. How can I possibly explain what happened out there when so much of it is inexplicable? Tell me everything. Leave out nothing. Jirlo leaned back, and the chair swallowed him, but the commander's personality loomed large, overshadowing Sarn. Sarn pushed to his feet, needing the height advantage nature had given him, but Jirlo's presence expanded until it filled the room, dwarfing him even more than before. Sarn sat. After all that running, he had no energy to pace. Talk. Shadows veiled Jirlo's face. He'd chosen a chair outside the glow of Sarn's eyes on purpose. The commander gave nothing away. You know what happened. Talk, and you can go. Refuse, and we can spend all night here. Jirlo's words struck Sarn hard. Is it night already? How long was I out? Not long enough, but by the looks of you, you'll remedy that soon if you talk. Didn't Grigori tell you? We had a chat, yes. He won't do that anymore. It's over. You made the same claim three years ago. Sarn shoved a hand through his hair. His head still felt light, but not as if it might float off his shoulders. Maybe I need to eat something. He pressed his bony elbows into his thighs again and rested his chin on his fists. Somewhere deep inside him, a child raged against the bars of his silence. Why did you hand me over to that monster? Sarn fought the question as memory and reality mixed. Hadrivo gripped his bruised shoulder and Sarn winced. Take him and go, the commander had said. Next time, keep a closer eye on your ward. He'd flip through the papers on his desk, never once looking up from them as blood ran down Sarn's arm and dripped onto his boot. Off topic, but you're right. For what it's worth, I'm sorry. Jirlo tapped the table, recalling Sarn to the here and now. Memory receded, leaving Sarn stunned. I couldn't have heard that right. What did you say? I said I thought I put the fear of God in him. Now I have. Who did you do this to? Jirlo slapped the table, and the glassware jumped. Pay attention. You know damn well who I'm talking about. Gregory and his ill-timed test. Which won't happen again. I'm not asking you to trust me. You don't do trust. Fine, I get it. Let's move on to what I want to know. Jirlo speared him with those impenetrable black eyes. Sarn sat straight up. Is this an apology? What did you think it was? Never mind. I don't want to know. Jirlo rubbed the bridge of his nose. But it couldn't be an apology. The commander never apologized to anyone for anything. No, he wants something. Well, so do I. If I tell you what you want to know, I can go. No healers, no stops at the infirmary. Sarn willed Jirlo to say yes to that. Jirlo almost smiled, but his facial muscles found the expression too alien to carry off. They fell back into their customary line. Got it in one. Talking, you're out of here until tomorrow night. The bells of Mount Eredrin rang 20 times, announcing the hour. When tomorrow night? Sarn pushed. 20th bell, are you satisfied? Sarn sat on the edge of his seat, ready to seize the promise dangling in front of him. A full 24 hours he could spend catching up on sleep, safeguarding his son, doing some much-needed brotherly bonding, and researching the problem pursuing him. Magic infused his voice when Sarn spoke again. You promise? If I tell you what you want to know, I'm free for 24 bells. Yes? No healers. No minders of any kind. Jirlo nodded. Swear it. Swear to what I said. Swear to it all, and I'll tell you what you want to know. Magic rang in his voice, twisting his words into one half of a chain, and Sarin led it. He'd do anything to secure such a promise. 
Jerlo looked discomfited, but he nodded. Have it your way. Tell me what I want to know, and you can go. No one will hinder you. But you must return in 24 bells to my office. Do this, I swear. The magic freed itself from the bonds of flesh and bone. It captured the commander's words and bound them by their terms. Sarm sagged in relief. I'm almost out of here. Dawn came, and so did Grigori. He told me he had something for me to do. We went down to the docks, and I woke up in the middle of nowhere. I ran and ran and ran until I got back here. I struck Grigori, and I woke up here. Sarn pushed to his bare feet and stopped. His boots stood by a statue of a dragon whose wings curled over a basket. A familiar checked handkerchief covered an assortment of baked goodies, and their fruity scent made his mouth water. Sarn stumbled over to them, catching himself on bookshelves and dragon statues. And the warring trees? What about them? Jerlo asked. Sarn froze, so they weren't a hallucination. I don't know what that's about, but I have a few guesses I'm not ready to share yet. The hollow feeling in his belly demanded food, so Sarn grabbed his boots and the basket and fled before Jerlo withdrew his promise. As he ran, he wondered how long he had to solve the riddle of the ghosts and the murders before something worse than killer trees or mud men caught up with him. Sarn stuffed an oversized muffin oozing sweet cherry jam into his mouth. He leaned against a wall in an alcove formed by a dip in the tunnel's wall. Rock protrusions on either side hid him from sight, but not the glow of his eyes. Jerlo's office crouched in its corner a half mile away in another tunnel. Crumbs tickled his throat, making him cough. After he uncapped the flask provided with the meal, Sarn took a swig and almost spat it out. He took a cautious sip of the tea but detected no astringent aftertaste this time. Inari would never drug me, but Jerlo might. The tea did its job. When he quit coughing, he set the flask on the ground in case Jerlo had tampered with it. He just finished tying his boots when he heard footsteps. No, Jerlo promised. Nolo raised both hands to signal he'd come in peace while his dark eyes performed a head-to-toe scan. What do you see? A deer in Lumiere light? Why are you looking now? Why not when I needed you to see me? Sarn shook off the old anger. That's Markson had a unique aura, one Nolo donned at will, which explains why my sixth sense didn't warn me he headed this way. Are you all right? Nolo asked. His glance must not have reassured him. Damn. Sarn held up a hand, palm out. I won't go to the infirmary. I figured. You never want to go there. Nolo crossed his arms over his chest. Sarn gave his laces one last jerk. Thank your wife for the muffins. He handed the basket to Nolo on his way past the man. Ignoring the basket, Nolo stepped into his path and walked away. Sarn looked down at Nolo from his superior height. Let me pass. Jerlo let me go for the night. Not until we talk. No way. Sarn spun on his heel and walked away. It was the wrong direction, but he ignored the arrow on his head map pointing towards his master. His internal map would reroute him in a moment. Nolo followed. The ranger had a point to make, and the man would remain until he said his piece. What Grigori did was wrong. Ranispara and I had no partner. Neither did Jerlo. I know. Sarn punched the wall. Magic sheathed his fist, causing it to bounce off unharmed. So he kicked the wall instead. Magic raced over his toes, encasing them in a bubble of protection. But the wall stayed solid this time, and his boot struck it hard enough to produce the desired bang. Nola leaned his shoulder against the wall, mere inches from where Sarn had struck it. Better? Sarn shook his head. Why did he do it? Did he say what crappy logic drove him to it? Language. I'm not on duty. I can curse if I want to. Sarn folded his arms under his cloak, but he let them drop when he realized he'd adopted the same pose as Nolo. Did you come here to apologize for him? Nolo shook his head. No, I wanted to make sure you're all right. Sarn spread his arms wide. You've seen what you needed to see. Now let me go. 
Nolo gestured back the way they'd come. Saren left, still holding the basket. Did he hurt you? The question stopped Saren in his tracks. No, he drugged me and left. And the fighting trees? What about them? They chased me, but I got away. Can I go now? Silence dropped between them, pregnant with the M word. Saren waited, but Nolo didn't ask if he'd use magic because the answer was obvious. What would Nolo do if I admitted it? Okay, I'll see you tomorrow. Say hello to your brother for me. I will. Knowing a dismissal when he heard one, Sarn fled. His eyes lit his way, but not the mysteries of the past 24 hours. They kept pace with him, and so did the questions they raised. They're mine to solve. I just need to figure out how. But I can do that after I rest. I'm good for nothing right now. Each step sent pain jolting through his tired muscles, but Sarn ran through tunnels abandoned by decent folk and sneezed as his step left clouds of dust in his wake. Quinn covered his nose and mouth with a fold of his cloak. It helped, but his eyes burned until another twist sent him shooting down a staircase, leaving the dust behind. Maybe it would settle out in the right places to obscure some of his prints. He couldn't worry about that now. Sarn let his senses stretch out as his map rushed to the fore, and he slammed his shoulder into the wall enclosing the staircase when he tripped. Symbols popped up. They remained clustered in several galleries far from his position. Good. Nolo had stayed behind. Since it was no longer needed, his map faded to an overlay. Sarn took the stairs three at a time and sped down the 200 plus steps to the third level below ground. He exited through a rough hole in a tunnel that dog-legged into the lower quarters. Sarn slowed as he searched for anyone on an intercept horse. People-shaped icons occupied the nearby tunnels, but no one appeared on a parallel path. Ditto for perpendicular tunnels. But that situation would change. Down here dwelt an awful lot of people. Thoughts of this place's population switched on the part of his magic, obsessed with numbers. An egg blossomed behind his left eye as a counter appeared in the bottom right corner of the map. Before Sarn shut it off, his tally had jumped to a thousand. Ahead, a gauntlet of broken stones waited. His cave lay at the other end. Relief energized Sarn as he cleared the last obstacle between him and his son. And that is chapter 16. So Sarn returned to Mount Eredrin. He got his licks in. And I, for one, was cheering. And he had to deal with Gregorian and answer some questions. So next time, we'll see what he does now that he's off from work for a full 24 hours and is intent on solving that mystery. So we'll see what he uncovers. And also we'll get more of his family because, you know, Ran is going to be very happy to see him. So we're getting close to the end of the first book that is part of Cursebreaker Enchanted. So... We're actually not quite at the halfway point or a couple of chapters away from it, but that's still kind of exciting because I wasn't really sure when I started this if I would get this far. So I feel like this is a big milestone. We're two chapters from the end of the first book of Curse Breaker Enchanted and I'd say about like three chapters from the halfway point. So stick around. There'll be a lot more where this came from. And I am your indie fantasy author and I'll see you next time. Remember to like, follow, share all the things because it helps and it spreads the word, which is really awesome. And Cursebreaker Enchanted is still free. If you're listening to this during the week of November 14th, then the first box set, which is books one to three, will be 99 cents. The second box set, not 99 cents, but we also have released the third box set. I'm going to talk about that in another program, but I just wanted to mention that here. So if you're listening to it during that time, you can pick up three books for 99 cents. Have a good one.